Welcome to Dinosaur George Kids. A show for anyone who loves dinosaurs. Dinosaur George has studied paleontology for over 50 years and has performed live to over 4 million students across the world. So sit back and enjoy today's show. Now, here's Dinosaur George. future paleontologists. I'm Dinosaur George and welcome to my show. So much been going on. Of course, it's always going on in my world. I stay very busy, which is great. And uh, I get to do all kinds of cool stuff. So it's a uh, it's a fun life. It may be a busy one, but it's a very fun life, and I enjoy it very, very much. A couple of things to update you on. First of all, my museum and gift shop out at Trader's Village in San Antonio, Texas, we have just about finished the museum portion. I have a few smaller things to do. Then I'm waiting on a couple of new skulls to come in. Let me tell you what I'm waiting on. I won't tell you what's there yet, but let me tell you what I what's still on the way. The skull of Giganotosaurus, one of the largest carnivores that ever existed on Earth. The skull of Smilosuchus, the giant crocodilian that would have eaten dinosaurs. The skull of a giant woolly mammoth. I'm talking about a big one. Big. It's so big, I'm, all, I'm actually worried about where it's going to fit in my museum. <laughs> Then I've got Carnotaurus, the skull of Carnotaurus coming. I've also got the jaws of Megalodon. So those pieces are going to be added to my exhibit. Right now, my exhibit is loaded with stuff. I've got big Ceratopsian skulls. I've got Tyrannosaurus rex and Spinosaurus. And oh my gosh, so many things in there. So anyway, just wanted to give you an update. I will tell you this. On July 16th and 17th, that is a Saturday and Sunday, because my museum is only open on Saturdays and Sundays, Trader's Village. Trader's Village is this big outdoor market. It's a huge area, has thousands of vendors. It's huge. And the museum is in that Trader's Village facility. And that's why it's not open during the weekdays to the public, because Trader's Village is where people come and sell things, right? There's like thousands of vendors, and they all sell different stuff. So my museum is there, is in Trader's Village, and uh, it's only open Saturdays and Sundays from 10 to 5. So on July 16th and July 17th of 2022, we're doing our grand opening of my museum. If you live in or around San Antonio, Texas, or you happen to be visiting, I hope you come out. We're going to have a lot of freebies, some giveaway stuff, uh, some drawings, a lot of fun. But it will be your opportunity to come out there. And, of course, I will be out there, and I'd get to say hello to you in person, which I would enjoy very, very much. An update on the number of listeners to this podcast. We now have 391,000 uploads. That is 391,000 people minimum have at least listened to this podcast. 
So it's doing very, very well. We are now heard in 149 countries around the world, and that equals to 10,183 different cities we have listeners. That's amazing. That's really amazing. It, it just, I'm constantly amazed at all of the, um, all of the cool people I get to talk to and meet. So that's just your short update on what's going on with us. Now, a couple of shout outs. Speaking of my store at Traders Village, Sammy Rex and his family came by and I got a chance to meet them and uh, they were nice enough to even bake me cookies. But by the way, Sammy Rex, don't think I haven't forgotten there was one cookie made of El Stinko. No one knows the identity of El Stinko. No one. Stronger than Superman. More dangerous than the Hulk. Faster than the Flash. No one knows the identity of El Stinko. But I want you to know I ate your El Stinko cookie, so thank you. So thank you so much. It was so nice meeting you guys. <laughs> it was so nice meeting you and your family. Thank you so very much for coming out and saying hello and coming to Texas to see me. Uh, then I met Brooke, Hunter, and Tristan in Lytle with my traveling museum, because I have a traveling museum. Uh, I was doing an event in Lytle, Texas, and they popped in to say they listened to the podcast. So nice of you. So nice to meet you all, your, and your mom as well. So I hope, and I hope you guys enjoyed my museum while, uh, while you were there. This one was pretty cool. I was at Trader's Village and I walk in and this gentleman comes up and introduces himself. And it turns out that he is the grandfather of Vedant, one of my one of my favorite kids from India. Vedant was celebrating his birthday and I was able through his grandfather's phone to say happy birthday to you, Vedant. It's so just so nice to uh to get a chance to greet, uh, to say happy birthday to you. And I hope that you enjoyed the little gift I sent home with your grandfather. Happy birthday to you, buddy. And it was nice meeting your grandfather and your family. Very nice people. Um, and then Oliver Soros. Now, Oliver Soros, his mom and dad stopped by. And uh, uh, they, I believe you guys said you're from Laos. I think that's where it was. But they came from halfway around the world. And so they flew to San Antonio or came to San Antonio just to say hi. And I got a chance to, to meet uh, Oliver Soros, got a chance to go look through everything. In fact, Oliver Soros is the one that recommended today's, um, uh, today's uh, feature creature. So uh, it was so nice meeting you. And, and Oliver Soros, I want you to know how much I appreciate your good manners. Very proud of you. Nice meeting you, buddy. It was nice meeting your mom and dad as well. Um, and then, yes, this also is kind of cool. <laughs> Let's see if I get the name. Titana Stephen Boa. <laughs> Titana Stephen Boa. I met Titana Stephen Boa, his mom, his dad, and his grandmother out at Trader's Village as well. I took you guys behind the scenes to go show you all the cool things. It was so nice talking to you. You know so much about dinosaurs. And by the way, I really like. I really liked your little Carnotaurus, your little pop-up Carnotaurus that you had. That was a totally cool thing. Then Avi and Samaya from Wisconsin came from Wisconsin. 
to say hello and meet me out at Traders Village. And it was so nice meeting you guys. And you know, I couldn't believe that uh, Avi thought that Dino Kyrus played the piano. Um, I can't believe you guessed that because that's wrong. Why would you think? Okay, he didn't think so. I tricked him. and tr- Well, I tried to trick him, but he saw right through my trick. It was so nice meeting you guys. Your family was so nice, and I hope you've enjoyed your stay. Uh, like I told your dad, my father grew up in Wisconsin, so I have an affinity. I have a love of Wisconsin, and it was so nice meeting you and your family, and I hope you all enjoyed yourself while you were visiting me there at Trader's Village. And then, finally, I wanted to give a special shout-out. We had a new T-Rex member, a young man named Roman whose birthday was on the 27th of June, but I wasn't able to include it in the birthday shout-outs for June, so I just wanted to give you a shout-out and say happy birthday to you, even though it's kind of late. And then um, in the next podcast, uh, right now, I know we are gathering all the names of all Patreon T-Rex Club members, uh, so I'll be wishing each of you who are having a birthday in July, I will be wishing you all a happy birthday in the next podcast. Now, let's get over here and talk about our feature creature. It's time for our feature creature segment. If you would like to suggest a creature, go to the Dinosaur George Kids podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com or post your suggestion on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page. Now, here is your feature creature. Again, today's feature creature was recommended by Oliver Soros. Uh, it is Euoplocephalus. Now, remember, I've told you all this before. There are different pronunciations. Some of you might pronounce its name Euoplocephalus, some Euoplocephalus. I pronounce it Euoplocephalus. A Euoplocephalus, if you don't recognize the name, you would recognize the dinosaur if you saw a picture of it. Uh, And if you want to look it up, here's how you spell its name. E-U-O-P-L-O-C-E-P-H-A-L-U-S. Its name will be in the in the title of this podcast. So if I went too fast, you can look it up through the title of this podcast. Euoplocephalus is a member of the ankylosaur family, the armored dinosaurs with the club on their tail. Its name means well-armored head. And remember, when you say the name of a dinosaur, you are usually not speaking English. Somebody wrote to me and said, well, if its name means well-armored head, how come that's not what they call it? Well, because the name given to it was given a scientific name, and in science, Latin, the language Latin, is a common language used when naming animals. Like, for instance, uh, humans, we are, we're not, we're not scientifically named humans. We are scientifically named Homo sapiens. And so the, the name, uh, Euoplocephalus, is its true name. But in English, that name means well-armored head. And that's because its skull is built like armor, body armor. Its body's covered in it. 
This is a relatively big dinosaur. It's 18 feet long. That's 5.5 meters long. Another thing that can be very confusing, very, very confusing, is the sizes of dinosaurs. One website might tell you this dinosaur is 23 feet long. Then another one might tell you it's 15 feet long. Which is it? And why are there so many changes and variations? Well, that's because when a dinosaur is discovered, it's very rare that you find the complete dinosaur. It's very rare. So scientists have to sort of guess at the sizes because there's pieces that are missing. Here's the other thing. If I find a skeleton of a dinosaur, let's say I find the whole thing. I can measure it and I can tell you about how long it is. But then the problem becomes, well, is that a grown-up? Is that a teenager? Is that a baby? So how big can it grow to be? So different websites give you different information. When I give you the sizes, I am using the most accurate information I have access to. See, here's another thing. Let's say that I find a dinosaur and I only find half of it. And I have to guess at how long the back half was so I can tell you how big it was. Okay. So let's say I write a book and I write, it's 23 feet long. Well, then somebody else may come along and say, we found the complete dinosaur. And it turns out it's not as long as you thought, as you guessed. So that's the reason why you can see different sizes, different weights, different heights, because not everybody has access to all the information. And in some cases, you are making a guess. You are having to make a guess. And that's why you see the variances. So when I give you the sizes, I'm trying to use the most accurate information I have. But it doesn't mean my information is 100% accurate. But the size that I feel very comfortable saying is, it's close to 20 feet long. It's close to 20 feet long. Uh, that's close to seven meters. So it's a big, big animal and it weighs two and a half tons. That's a heavy animal. That's the size of an Asian elephant or that's the weight of an Asian elephant. This is a very heavy animal. If you want to know what I mean by heavy, if you get a tape measure and ask your parents to help you, Measure how long 5.5 meters is or 18 feet long. Then you'll see how long it is. Then imagine that animal weighs more than your car. So Euoplocephalus is a very heavily built armored dinosaur. It was, it, it, it was discovered in Alberta, Canada, and that's where I think it's limited to. I don't think that they found it any other places that I'm aware of yet. It lived during the late Cretaceous between 76.4 to 75.6 million years ago. Here's something else to keep in mind, because that can be confusing too. How do we know exactly when it was alive? I just gave you a, a wide range, a million years range. Well, we don't always know, but scientists have a way of testing the rocks in a given area, and they can give you a hypothesis of how old those rocks are. If you find a dinosaur bone among them, then you can maybe guess that that dinosaur was from the same age as those rocks. There's other ways. They can actually test the actual bones, and there's a lot of ways to do it. But there's a big span of time 
it doesn't mean that this animal was able that that they were on earth for a million years we don't know that but we do know that the range of time that we think it existed was between 76 and 75 million years a million years is a long time maybe it didn't live during all that time but those are the times that were probably the most accurate this is an herbivore which means it eats plants It is a quadruped, which means it walks on four legs. This dinosaur could not stand up on its back legs. It is simply too heavy, and it couldn't do it. It was discovered in 1897 in Alberta, Canada. It was then given a name in 1902. For those of you that listen, you remember, there's a difference between when something is discovered And when it's given a scientific name, scientists have to clean the bones. They have to go through a lot of research about what the animal is before you're allowed to give it a name. You can't just name it when you see it. You have to prove somebody else hasn't already found the same animal. So it was given a name in 1902. But then they discovered that the name they gave it in 1902 was not euoplocephalus. It was stereocephalus. It was stereocephalus. And so that's what they named it. Well, why did they change it? Well, they found out that an insect had already been given the name stereocephalus. An insect already got that name. Some scientists discovered an insect and named it stereocephalus. So you can't have two animals named the same thing. So in 1910... Eight years later, they changed the name to Euoplocephalus. So there was a time that when this dinosaur was first named in 1902, they accidentally gave it a name that had already been given to an insect. So this two and a half ton, 18 foot long, 5.5 meter long creature for a while had the name of an insect. (laughs) Not a fun story. That's kind of cool. Its skull is shaped sort of like a triangle. Now, this is common among ankylosaurs. They have a triangular-shaped head. If you're not sure what a triangle is, ask your mom or dad or auntie or grandma or older brother or sister to draw a triangle for you. And the reason why they have that triangular-shaped head is its eyes were on the outer widest part so they could see around them a little easier. But then the nose gets pointy because that means... It has a smaller mouth, and if it has a smaller mouth, it's probably more particular in what it eats. It doesn't have a big, flat, giant beak like a duckbill, so it probably was a little more particular about what kind of plants it liked to eat. Now, it couldn't be too particular because its head is pretty close to the ground. It doesn't get to reach up into trees and eat leaves. It's got to eat bushes. So, but it because its mouth is a little smaller and more pointy, it at least allows it to be a little more particular. It doesn't grab just a gigantic mouthful of anything in front of it. It probably was uh, a little more particular. In what it, it probably likes certain veggies. You and I might be the same. I like broccoli, but I don't like cauliflower. So if I was in a garden, I wouldn't just be chomping on every plant I see. I'd be a little more particular of what I choose. But cauliflower is good. I just don't like it as much as broccoli. Can you believe I like broccoli? All right. (laughs) Also, something cool about its head 
Its eyelids were armored. They were covered with bony protection. This animal, when it was under attack, had the ability to even guard its eyes from attack. By closing its eyelids, it's like closing a door. It would help defend it from having its eyes poked out. When young people come up to me and ask me about ankylosaurus or euoplocephalus, I hear them say a lot, well, all a meat eater would have to do is flip it over on its back because then it would be able to eat the soft tummy. Its back is covered with big pieces of body armor. And so it's easy to just flip it over on its back. But here's something I want you to remember. First of all, it weighs two and a half tons. I don't know of any carnivore dinosaur who could raise two and a half tons, who could lift up two and a half tons. Even something as big as Tyrannosaurus Rex just would not have the arm strength. There's no way. There is no carnivore that I am aware of that I think ever existed that could ever lift up two and a half tons in its arms. Your arms would have to be huge. But here's the other problem. This animal is 2.4 meters wide. That's eight feet wide. I told you it was 18 feet long, but wide, it's eight feet wide. That means that that two and a half tons would be distributed over super wide. You couldn't lift it up. And even if you could kind of lift it up, you would never be able to flip it all the way over on its back because your arms would have to have to be at least eight feet long to get this thing to get it up on its side and flip it on its back. Otherwise, you could never lift it. You could never flip it over. You're not going to flip these dinosaurs on their back. I know that makes for good TV shows and, and cool, fun stuff, but you're just simply not going to do it. They are too well protected. They are too heavy. And plus, if you do even attempt to attack under it, it could simply squat down. It could fold up its legs and squat closer to the ground, making it even harder to get underneath it. So I don't think this thing is ever going to be flipped over. Now, its back is totally protected by things called osteoderms. Osteoderms are like pieces of bone that are kind of stuck into the skin. They're not, they're not part of its skeleton. Osteoderms are pieces of bone that are sort of stuck in the skin. If you've ever seen the leg of a turtle or on a lizard, they often have these little round bony things that are in the skin. Those are osteoderms. Those are protection. That's what it uses as defense. It also has spikes on its back, too. So some of these osteoderms have taken the shape of a spike meaning they're pointy and they're tall. And then the osteoderm is covered with something called keratin. That's what your fingernails are made of, keratin. So that made them sharp. You're not going to jump on this animal's back because you're going to be cut up by the spikes. You can't bite through it, the osteoderms because it's like crunching through solid pieces of bone. It's armor. It's too well protected. And that's why these dinosaurs are so slow. They don't have to be fast because they're walking around in a suit of armor. It weighs a lot. It slows them down. They don't care. 
who's going to attack them? You can't attack its head. It's covered in body armor, and there are spikes near its head. It could swing its head from side to side and stab you with them. You can't attack its neck. They're big, bony rings of osteoderms covering and protecting its neck. You're not going to crawl on its back. And even if you do, what are you going to do? You can't bite through the armor. You can't attack underneath it because you could never get underneath it. And if you get close to the tail, that's where the trouble begins. That is why, in my opinion, big carnivores like like uh, Tyrannosaurus and Despletosaurus and Albertosaurus and Gorgosaurus, they are keeping their distance from these animals. I personally don't think they would mess around with them. I think it's too dangerous. I think it's way too dangerous. One swing of that tail club and you are in trouble. And here's the cool thing about the way the tail is made. The front section, the section that connects to its hips, those are super stiff. There's actually bones that lap over each other that make it like a baseball bat, super stiff. But when you get towards the club, it's not stiff anymore. And that means that when this thing swings its tail, the tail is stiff, but the club can move around a little bit. So when it swings that tail forward, that club is going to be traveling at a huge rate of speed. And that club is solid bone covered in keratin. This thing is going to crush your leg. It will kill you. It will break your ribs. Don't mess around with you, Oplocephalus. Because if you mess around with you, Oplocephalus, you may not have any legs left. And that's not a good thing. So Euoplocephalus is an amazing herbivore. I hope you read more about it. I hope you learn a little more about it. It is absolutely a remarkable animal. All right, let's answer a couple of questions, shall we? Do you have any questions about dinosaurs? Just ask Dinosaur George. You can post your questions on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook page or click on the Dinosaur George podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com. Questions are chosen at random and you can submit as many as you want. And now, here's Dinosaur George. All right, I got a bunch of questions from Patreon Club members, so let me jump into them. This is from Amelioraptor number two, because I have two Amelioraptors in my Patreon Club. Uh, did any carnivores and herbivores have a symbiotic relationship? You are El Stinko. Okay, well, Amelia, what did you just say to me, kid? What did you, what do you mean I'm El Stinko? No one knows the identity of El Stinko. More beautiful than Wonder Woman. More green than the Green Lantern. More lantern than the Green Lantern. No one knows the identity of El Stinko. <laughs> Did any carnivores and herbivores have a symbiotic relationship? You know, that's a very interesting question. What a symbiotic relationship means is two animals that live together, each one benefits. So, for instance, um, I'll give you an example, a rhinoceros. And um, uh, I can't remember the name of the type of bird. I think it's called an oxpecker. These are the birds live with the rhinos and the birds get free food by picking off the parasites of the rhino. And the rhino 
has somebody help cleaning him up and keeping an eye on predators. So that's sort of a symbiotic relationship. But when it comes to carnivores and herbivores, I can't think of an example where that might be. I I do know that little carnivores probably walked around with big herbivores because as big herbivores are walking around, they are scaring things out in front of them like lizards and snakes and little dinosaurs who are running out of the way to get out of the way of the big herbivores. So the little carnivores can run ahead and grab their free lunch, but they're not, they're probably not doing anything for the herbivores. So that's not a symbiotic relationship. This is a very interesting question, but off the top of my head, I cannot think of any that would do it. Although it would make sense that it probably did exist. Okay. Hi, Dinosaur George. This is Sam T-Rex from India. Hi, Sam. Did you know that the second oldest dinosaur fossils were found in India in 1828? I wonder if you could do a podcast on dinosaurs in India. My favorite among them is Rajasaurus. Well, Sam T-Rex from India, greetings. Love your country. Thank you for being a listener over there. And thank you for being a club member. Rajasaurus is a very interesting dinosaur. You had a couple of amazing ones. You had Indosaurus, you had Indosuchus, but I love Rajasaurus. I really should make Rajasaurus a subject because I think people would love learning about it. It is a crazy cool dinosaur, and I will try to add this to my list, Sam, and I hope to do it. Thank you, and please say hi to your family over in beautiful India. Okay, this is a question coming from Jenny O. Why did dinosaurs die? Was it climate change or an asteroid? Well, Jenny O, it was a combination probably of the two. It was the asteroid, the giant rock that struck the Earth, that actually caused the climate to change. And so, really, it's the two. It's the two. They are combined to do that. So, that's a very, very interesting question. I think one caused the other, and both caused the extinction of the dinosaurs. Very, very good. That's very good. Um, Jenny O also asked, um, were there any flowers around with the dinosaurs? Yes, at the end of the Cretaceous, in the fossil record, we start to see flowering plants emerge. So towards the end, now the early dinosaurs, like those from the Triassic and the Jurassic, they probably didn't know what a flower was because it doesn't appear that flowers had shown up yet. Flowers appeared to have evolved at the end of the Cretaceous period. So to my, that would make me believe that uh, Ankylosaurus, Euoplocephalus, Tyrannosaurus, a lot of those may have seen flowers. Can you imagine? T-Rex wakes up. Look at the lovely flowers. I'm going to gather them and bring them over to that family of duckbills. Hello, duckbills. I brought you some flowers. And the duckbills are like, why, thank you. You're welcome. And now that I've given you the flowers, I'm going to eat all of you. Run for your life. (laughs) Okay. My Tyrannosaurus turned into a kind of a naughty one, didn't he? (laughs) All right, this is a question from Scorpius Desrex. What a great name. Did Pachyrhinosaurus live with Gorgosaurus? I believe they did. I know Pachyrhinosaurus lived with Albertosaurus, and I think Albertosaurus and Gorgosaurus had crossover as far as when they lived. So I'm almost certain that they did. I'm I'm almost certain that they did. And the reason why I say that is I know that um I know that there have been some discoveries. I'm almost certain teeth 
found in association with Pachyrhinosaurus, and I think those teeth were thought to be Gorgosaurus. So I may be wrong on this one, Scorpius, um, but I'm almost certain that they did. Okay, this is from Melody V. How many dinosaurs have been discovered? Well, Melody V, so far, over 700 different named species. There's some debate whether or not those were, they're all legitimate. Remember how sometimes scientists can accidentally give a name to a dinosaur that somebody had already found earlier, and you don't get to give the same dinosaur two names, uh, the, the two different dinosaurs the same name. So they, um, I mean, wait, you can't give two different dinosaurs, I mean, you can't give two of the same dinosaurs two different names. That's what I'm trying to say. Look, my mind is still thinking about a Tyrannosaurus picking flowers and taking it over to Duckbills, okay? So that's what I'm thinking about in my head right now. My head, there's a cartoon showing in my head of a T-Rex bending over and picking flowers and walking over to a family of Duckbills and saying, Hello. I brought you some flowers. And then its face turns red and it gets a frown on his face. It's like, I'm going to eat everybody. See, that's what my head is thinking about. So back to this question. <laughs> back to this question. Um, there are over 700 species found, but I will tell you that on average, at least one new species of dinosaur seems to be found about every three or four months. So many more people are looking for them. So many more people are interested in them. So uh, right now, I think it's a little over 700. The number one question I get from a lot of young people, they always ask the same thing. Will there be any dinosaur bones left for me to dig if I grow up and become a paleontologist? The answer is yes. There's a never-ending supply. We will always find them because there's... Probably hundreds of millions of bones that are still buried that we've not even seen yet. And every time there is erosion, it cleans away some of the dirt and we see new bones. Fear not, my little friends. There are plenty of dinosaurs for you to find, no matter how young you are. When you grow up, if you want to be a paleontologist, there's going to be tons of bones for you to find and new discoveries. Maybe when it's all said and done, there might be, who knows? I just sneezed. You know why I sneezed? Because I was thinking about those flowers that the T-Rex picked up and I must be allergic to those flowers and it made me sneeze. I sneezed all over the studio. Ooh, uh, we need a towel in here, please. And a mop bucket, please. Uh, I just sneezed. Because of the flowers a Tyrannosaurus picked. All right, we got to stop talking about those flowers. So, when it's all said and done, it may end up, there may, we might have, there may be 10,000 named dinosaurs in another 100 years. We don't know, but there's tons. All right, then this question comes from my assistant, Noah F. Noah is the assistant who helps me in Patreon, and, and he's very, very smart when it comes to dinosaurs. Hi, Dinosaur George, I have a question for you. If in the Mesozoic there was no grass, what would cover the ground? Would it be plants or dirt? Personally, I think ferns, mosses, and horsetails are most are the most likely candidates. Okay, remember I just said that flowers only showed up at the end of the Cretaceous? Well, the same thing with grass. Grass didn't show up until the end of the Cretaceous. At the very end. 
So dinosaurs were not eating grass because grass didn't exist, but there were other plants. Some of the things I think you may have left off as well, Noah, in your guess, is lichen. Uh, lichen, these are also plants that grow very close to the ground, and they, they're not long. So I think moss is correct. Ferns, absolutely correct. Lots of ferns. There would have been a lot of plants growing on the ground because obviously plants need soil to, to grow. Most plants need soil, prefer soil to grow. And so there would have been a big variety of plants, but I don't think they would be plants that you and I might be familiar with, some of them. Some of them just may not have survived. You know, we always talk about animals becoming extinct. Well, plants became extinct as well. Lots of plants did not survive the extinction events. They are just like the animals. They're fighting to stay alive. They're trying to survive. Some of them do, and some of them don't. And so what plants we would have seen, definitely you would have seen ginkgo. You would have seen horsetails. You would have seen a, a, a lot of different trees and shrubs and bushes, and they would have been, they would have taken advantage of the soil. So I don't think it would have been just dirt with trees growing everywhere. Now, it would have been that way, Noah, probably in dense forests where sunlight doesn't really penetrate. So the trees are the only things that seem to be able to survive. And sometimes when they drop their leaves like pine needles, pine needles drop to the ground, they almost kill anything's chance of growing there. So um, there may have been forests where there wouldn't have been ground cover, but I believe there would have been ground cover in a lot of these places. All right. Very, very good questions. Uh, great ones. Let's do this. Let's jump over to the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group. Now, there's two things about my company. One is the Patreon Club. The Patreon Club costs money. You have to pay to be in the, in the club. But when you're in the club, you get things that other people don't always get. For instance, there's a Triceratops Club level. It costs $1 a month. And in that one, you get a live lesson with me and all other Patreon Club members in that lesson. You also are able to go watch the recordings of the lessons that we did before you became a member. And so the Patreon Club, the first club level is, is the Triceratops Club, and it's a dollar a month. The next level is the Raptor Club. It's $5 a month. In that one, you get to do two live lessons with me each month. Plus, we send updates on new discoveries and fun facts and that kind of thing. And you, of course, are able to go back whenever you want and watch any of the lessons that were taught before you became a member. You have access to all of them. And then the third one is called the Tyrannosaurus Club. That's the top tier. That's the top level. In that one, you get, um, you get two lessons a month, like with the other one. You get to see all of you get to watch all of the past lessons at your convenience whenever you want. You also are allowed to send in who would wins. You get birthday shout outs based on your month and you get priority of all the videos, all the updates, all the new discoveries. So those are the three groups. Now, with the Dinosaur George kids page on Facebook, it's completely free. 
you do not have to pay anything. And this is a place where you can post pictures and you can show us your toys. So it's a fun place to be. If you are a member of Patreon, you still, of course, go to the Dinosaur George Kids page and post whatever you want. It's fun. And it's family safe. Parents, we control this page very carefully. We absolutely have things in in place that stop any anything being posted that is um, bad content or family that is not family friendly. We control this page. It is a safe environment for you and your kids. So let's jump over to it and see what's happening. Now, here is a picture of Titanus Steve Boa. Titanus Titanus Stephen Boa. I mentioned him in the shout out. He has a picture here of where he came into the museum and he and I went behind the barrier to look around. It was so nice meeting you. And, and he's such a bright kid. And he was so focused on what I was saying and a very good reader. I'm very proud of him. Thank you for posting that picture. I absolutely love it. And I'm glad that he enjoyed himself. That's so cool. Um, Here's a question. Hi, Dinosaur George. I'm a new podcast listener and I listen every day on the way to and from camp. I know Megalosaurus was the first and Iguanodon was the second. What was the third dinosaur ever found? Happy Fourth of July. Sincerely, Owen Raptor, age seven and a half. Well, Owen Raptor, welcome. Welcome, my friend, to the podcast and welcome to the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group. Glad to have you with us, buddy. Okay, so if I remember correctly, I want to say that the third dinosaur discovered, I think, was Hyliosaurus, which was an ankylosaur, if my memory serves me correctly. Sometimes, um, Owen Raptor, I don't have the opportunity to do any research before I do these podcasts, and so I don't get a chance to look. So I have to do a lot of this from memory. And uh, my memory, if my memory's correct, I believe it's Hyliosaur. And I want to say, and I may be wrong, Hyliosaur might be a be an ornithopod, a two-legged plant eater. Or if it's an ankylosaur, it's a plant eater. If any of you listening know, go on to the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page and tell me who it was. Post a picture of it. But I believe, I, I'm almost certain, uh, Owen Raptor, that it was um, uh, Oe Raptor. I'm sorry, not Owen Raptor. Oe Raptor. Uh, I believe that it was Hyliosaur. I believe that's who it was. Hey, this is kind of cool. I just mentioned my friend Noah. Noah also goes in and posts different cool things. And right now he posted one that said, uh, hi, it's Dinosaur George's assistant. Noah, what's your favorite dinosaur? And so far, we've had 54 of you comment on who and what your favorite dinosaur is. And these are great choices, by the way. These are very, I'm just looking through them all, and there are dozens of them, dozens and dozens. I really kind of, it's really kind of cool. My friend, Wes Copas, who is a professor at a university, uh, Wes loves Stan the Tyrannosaurus Rex. And he got the T-Rex tattooed on his arm. And so that's really cool. Wes not only said whose favorite was, but he also he also made it a point to show his cool Tyrannosaurus tattoo on his shoulder. That's so cool, Wes. Good seeing you. It's always good seeing you, buddy. All right. Uh, let's go through here and see. Oh, uh, this is kind of cool. Now, this is uh, Andrew Sarkis. See what he did there? T-Rex member. Was cleaning his room yesterday, and he asked me to make new labels for these toy drawers. 
Uh, this is very good. This is looks like his mom uh, helped him organize this, and this is great. She has organized his toys by time period, Cenozoic and Mesozoic. This is great. What a brilliant idea. What a great thing to do. This is really, really cool, and I love this. It's a great idea. Not only does it keep them organized, but it also helps learn which animals are from the Mesozoic, which is the age of dinosaurs, and which are from the Cenozoic, what is considered the age of mammals. Brilliant. Nicely done. Uh, this is from, hey, this is really good. This is from the Aston family, Coelophysis Late Project. Oh, love this group of Coelophysis. I love, who's screaming, ah, that better not be me being attacked. It better, it better not. I love your colors, by the way. I love the colors. I love the way this was done. This is a great project. This is a great Coelophysis project, and I love it very much. That just not better be me. It better not be me, kid. All right. Here's a good one. This is from the Scott family. Hi, Dinosaur George. We'd love to have an episode about Stygimoloch. This is a good suggestion. This is a very good suggestion. I need to do something on Pachycephalosaurus. I know I did a Pachycephalosaurus lesson, I mean podcast, but I need to do Stygimoloch because there's a lot of questions about Stygimoloch or Stygimoloch, depending on how you pr prefer to pronounce it. Uh, there's a lot of confusion about it. So I really need to do that. Thank you. That's that's a good one. My buddy, Rody Lewis, took pictures. He and his friend went to the Houston Museum um, and they have great. They posted really good pictures of all the different animals. The Houston Museum is a fabulous place to go. Looks like you guys had a good time uh, and I'm glad you did. All right, this is so cool. This is a picture. Junior is so proud that in the palm of his hands, he holds a mighty flying reptile. That thing is cool. That is cool, Junior. I like that one a lot. That must be Pteranodon from what I can tell, but I love that thing. That is a beautiful Pteranodon. And did you make that yourself or is that a toy? I can't tell. If you made it, that's amazing. If it's a toy, it's still the coolest thing I've ever cool ever seen. All right, this is from Killian, who got a haircut and said he wanted to look like Dinosaur George. Hey, well, thank you, Killian. I am honored, my little friend. And you're right. You're my haircut is the same. That is crazy. Now you have become my official assistant. You're now a mini me. What do you think of that? A mini me. That is so cool, Killian. Thank you, buddy. I'm honored. I think that's so cool. And thank you so much, mom or dad, for posting that. That's the coolest thing. Here's one. Hi, Dinosaur George. I drew a picture of you getting eaten by your favorite dinosaur, Allosaurus. I listen to your podcast every night. This is from Gene. Well, Gene, thank you for letting me get eaten by... Wait one minute. What did you just... What did you just draw? I drew a picture of you getting eaten by your favorite dinosaurs. You rotten little kid! What kind of a kid puts me in the mouth and lets me get eaten by my favorite dinosaur? Gene, you... Little stinker. You little stinker. Why did you do that to me? Why, I ask you. <laughs> okay. I love I love the picture. I can't believe I'm being eaten. Thank you so very much for having me eaten by this dinosaur. <laughs> That's so cool. All right. Let's take a look here. What have we got? Uh, looks like this is Lucas from Pasadena. I wanted to share this scene of a... Uh, 
What is it? Uh, uh, being attacked by different tyrannosaurus. Oh, okay. Let's do this. Let's take a listen to this video that he sent to me. Let's see. Okay. Dinosaur Judge, here what's happened. This, this, our team kind of T-Rexes that does us the play, does a display the source, does a king source, and does a T-Rex. They're, they're eating a kind of herbivore, and it's a type of serotopic. It's called an Ankylosaurus. Bye-bye, Dinosaur George. Thank you, little buddy. And that is the the absolutely coolest thing I've ever seen. That is such a great video. And yes, you have an entire scene set up. Lucas, I am so proud of you. That is the coolest video I've ever seen. And thank you so much for posting it. I loved it. That was crazy cool. All right, here is my crazy dino battle. My Mosasaurus has gotten some food for DG slash El Stinko by El Stinko. I mean, are you Connor Raptor? Are you suggesting that I am El Stinko? Do you honestly believe that I am El Stinko? No one knows the identity of El Stinko. No one. Smarter than Batman. Faster than the Flash. Stronger than Superman. No one knows the identity of El Stinko. (laughs) Well, I love this. And I love your pictures. And I love everything. What I don't love about it is the fact that you called me El Stinko. Because I'm not. Let's just get that straight. Right now. All right. Hello, Dinosaur George. Micro Madeline wanted to share a drawing she made. She wrote, I am Madeline. I live in Alabama. I drew a dinosaur of a Brachiosaurus herd. I love your podcast so much. Well, little Madeline, Micro Madeline, what a beautiful picture. And I love that you drew a whole scene. That is brilliant. I am so proud of you. You drew, oh, and I love the colors you've used and all of the sizes. I am so proud of you. Shout out, little Micro Madeline, for being such a good artist and doing that. And I'm glad you love your pot, my podcast. So shout out to you. That is absolutely beautiful. So proud of you. And I love that very much. That is absolutely amazing. Amazing. All right, uh, let's see. Uh, Lauren wrote to me and said, when is the July live Zoom class? We're Triceratops members. It just got sent out today, uh, Lauren, for all uh, Patreon Club members. The next Patreon Club lesson, let me open my calendar here, is going to be Friday, July the 8th at 5.30 p.m. Central Time. It's going to be at 5.30 p.m. The lesson is on Guanlong, an ancestor of Tyrannosaurus Rex. It just went out on Patreon. If any of you want to become Patreon Club members to listen to, to be part of this lesson, you're welcome to do it. Um, also, when you go on to your Patreon page, you should also, when you look through the different posts, you should be able to find 
a link to all the other lessons that were done for Triceratops members, and you can watch them at your convenience as well. So that one just went out. It just went out. Um, okay, let's keep going. Uh, JW, my buddy JW, you guys know me as ginormous Tyrannosaurus Rex fanatic. You're right. But all the movies and TV shows, whether fiction or not, these are my top five versions. There's no specific rating because to me, it's all the same animal at heart. So JW loves Tyrannosaurus Rex. And he posted some of the some of the shows that it has appeared in. Prehistoric Planet, Jurassic World, Jurassic Park, Fantasia, The Land Before Time, and Walking with Dinosaurs. I enjoyed all of these. I enjoyed all of these. I think they were great. And thank you so much for posting those. That's so cool. Hey, Dinosaur George, Leo, age six, is a new listener to your podcast and he wants to know who would win, a Microraptor versus a Compsonathus. Well, Leo, welcome to the show. Welcome to the page. Welcome to the podcast. Um, hey, you've got some cool animals there. Uh, let's see. I see a saber-toothed cat. It looks like a stegosaurus. It looks like a mammoth. And it looks like a monkey. Oh, wait. The monkey is you, Leo. Sorry. <laughs> I'm teasing you. So you've got super, super cool animals. And I love that a lot. And, you know, a Microraptor is is small. So is Compsonathus. But Microraptor has weapons that Compies don't have. So Microraptors would have had incredibly powerful weapons in comparison and would have easily won. All right. Richard H. Four is supervising the evacuation ahead of a volcanic eruption. I like this a lot. I like this picture. Thank you so much, mom or dad or auntie or grandmother for posting this. I love it. What we have is a volcano is erupting and looks like Richard's dinosaurs are getting out of there and they are running. And let me tell you something I like about your picture here, uh, Richard. You have herbivores and carnivores running together, but the carnivores are not attacking the herbivores. That probably would be the case in a situation like this when there's a flood when there's a forest fire, when there's a volcano, when there's a hurricane or tornado, carnivores and herbivores are no longer at war during those times. There's too much going on to be worrying about eating the guy or de- attacking the guy. So during times like this, Richard, this is exactly what I think would have happened. You would have had animals who may hunt each other or defend or attack each other normally. Don't do that during a crisis because there's no time to do that. You're too busy trying to get out of there. So this is very, very nice. And then uh, Everett sketched a Therizinosaurus on his Etch-A-Sketch. Wow. Very, very nice. Very, very nice. And by the way, it is pronounced Therizinosaurus. Therizinosaurus. Uh, it, it is, it is so cool. Uh, and that's great, but I love this Therizinosaurus drawing. That's very good. That's really, really good. All right. Hey, this is really cool. This is from the Kazono family who posted, Hey, this is nice. This is a Velociraptor and drew all the cool parts, highlighting the tail for balance, the killing claw. This is an excellent drawing. I like this a lot. Great color, great detail. Very, very cool. And then finally, Lucadon. Here was some of his dinosaurs. Luke would also like to know who would win, Allosaurus versus Dinosaur George. Well, obviously, I would win every time, provided I have my stink bombs. 
if I've got my underarm stink bombs, all I have to do is raise my arm and Allosaurus would hold his little nose and scream and run the other way as quickly as possible. Uh, Let me just keep going a few more. Noble has a great picture. Uh, It looks like a party, but it's not. It's a battle, and I love that. Noble, I like that very, very much. That's great. Um, Let's see. Oh, this is really cool. Killian has a dinosaur mashup, which is really cool. Looks like a lot of fun. That's pretty awesome. Uh, Let's see. Dinosaur action pack. There's pictures there. Uh, You know what? Uh, Little Rory Soros, you know, I think you, you looks like you've made me a little video. Uh, now, Rory Soros can name a dinosaur for every letter of the alphabet. Why don't we take a listen to little Rory Soros? This sounds cool. Let's listen. Hi, Dinosaur George. I'm here with Rory Soros and her Stegosaurus, Starla. And we are going to name a dinosaur for every letter of the alphabet. So here we go. A. Anasaurus. B. Brachiosaurus. C. Compsonophis. D. Demetrodon. E. Amentonia. F. Thapasaurus. G. Dignosaurus. H. Herrerasaurus. I. Iguanodon. J. Jaxarosaurus. K. Kentrosaurus. L. Lampiosaurus. Awesome horsed dinosaurs. Dinosaurs A to Z, awesome horse dinosaurs. Everybody sing with me. M. Mysaurus. N. Nitrosaurus. O. Oviraptor. P. Parasaurolophus. Q. Quetzalcoatlus. R. Um, Rhinorex. S. Then. Spinosaurus. T. Pteranosaurus. Uh, O-P-Q-R-S-T-U. Udoceratops. V. Velociraptor. W. Warhosaurus. X. Xenoceratops. Y. Utrinosaurus. And Z. Zuniceratops. And that's it. Thank you, Dinosaur George. We love your podcast. Bye. Oh, thank you, Mom. That was absolutely amazing. I am so proud of you, Rory Soros. I cannot believe you were able to do all of that. That was great. I am so proud of you. Thank you so very much for posting. That was absolutely amazing. Amazing, kid. Very good. Uh, Let's see. This is from Mokes, who drew an Indominus Rex. And loves the podcast. Shout out to you, Mokes. That's so cool. Thank you, buddy. And I appreciate you very, very much. Here, I've got a great video of Finley running around looking at all these cool dinosaurs. Olivia, his sister, is with him. You guys are so cool. You gave me my own tour. And I want you to know that I, well, you know what? Let's just play you for me. Oh, that's cool. It actually roars. The Velociraptor has really smelly breath. And now for the T-Rex. The T-Rex. Oh, man. T-Rex. Oh, whoa! It's huge! It's gigantic! 
Run! Run! You guys, that was the coolest tour. That is the coolest thing I've ever seen. That is awesome. You know the only thing missing from that T-Rex? Yeah, you guessed it. Uh, It doesn't have flowers in its hands. And so, it. okay, let's not get back on that thing again. Don't start talking about that. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Listen, so many of you have wrote so many nice things. I I wish I could go through them all. Nathanosaurus sent a really cool picture. Uh, Flosaurus sent something really nice. You guys did such a good job. That is so crazy. Um, Drinking dino blood, that looks so delicious. Thank you guys so very much for, for doing that. I appreciate you. I wish I could read every single one of them, but these are great Love the pictures. Love the things. Keep sending them to me. I absolutely love them. Let's get into who would win. What if two different prehistoric creatures fought? Who would win? T-Rex versus a giant wolf? Raptor versus Terror Bird? Spinosaurus versus Triceratops? You choose the animals, and Dinosaur George will size them up and pick a winner. Now, get ready. It's time to find out who would win. All right, to submit a who would win, these come from my T-Rex Patreon Club members. Let's get into it. This is from Melody V. Five Overraptors versus five Raptor Rex. Wow. Well, Raptor Rex has got the got the advantage uh, completely. The advantage, the power, strength, bite, claws, size. Overraptors are very cool animals. Very cool. But they're not really made for fighting. And what I mean by that is there are different ways animals are built. Some animals are built for a fight, meaning get in there, grab you, attack, shake, kick, bite. And then there are those that are meant to eat things that aren't going to fight back as much. So in the case of Overraptor, it's going to focus its attention on small animals that can't necessarily fight back. Because its body is not made for taking a fight. Whereas Raptor Rex is probably going to be more powerful and is looking for a fight. So in the case of this one, I'm going to give this, you know what? I would even say this, Melody V. I would even say that it could be one Raptor Rex against five Overraptors. And I still think Raptor Rex would win. I believe it would. Whatever the case is, it would be a cool battle. All right. This is from one of my favorites, True Maddie. Heidi G, T-Rex versus Tarbosaurus. This is a pretty good fight, True Maddie, because these dinosaurs are pretty equally matched. Tarbosaurus is the Asian version of Tyrannosaurus Rex. Here in North America, we had Tyrannosaurus Rex, and in Asia, they had Tarbosaurus, both of which are big. They are so closely related. Some scientists want to change Tarbosaurus's name to Tyrannosaurus. All dinosaurs have a first and last name. I've told you this before. Tyrannosaurus Rex and Tarbosaurus Batar. But they want to change Tarbosaurus Batar's name to Tyrannosaurus Batar. But because they're that closely related. But everything I've ever heard, True Maddie, 
it appears that Tyrannosaurus has a little bit of an advantage in size. It appears that if you if you compared the two, Tarbosaurus would be a smaller version. And if that is correct, then I would definitely give the fight to Tyrannosaurus. Its bite force is too much. Tarbosaurus is not agile, meaning it's not going to spin quickly or any of that stuff. So it's more likely Tyrannosaurus is going to grab him and get a mouthful of meat. And once that happens, game over. So, but that's a very good fight. I mean, listen, Tarbosaurus is no lightweight. Don't get me wrong when I say that. You're talking about a very large, powerful dinosaur that if it was able to grab T-Rex, say, by the throat, that game would be over for the T-Rex. So Tarbosaurus would win. But in my opinion, I think it would be more likely that Tyrannosaurus would be the victor. All right. This is from Jackson. Cha-cha-cha Raptor versus cha-cha-cha Utah Raptor. All right. Let me say for the record right now, I cannot stand cha-cha-cha Raptor. That thing drives me nuts. It literally drives me nuts. It attacks me. It bites me. And every time a dinosaur is singing happy birthday to a listener, cha-cha-cha Raptor appears out of nowhere, runs in and goes, cha-cha-cha. He ruins the song. It is the evilest little dinosaur I've ever seen. Completely naughty, doesn't follow any rules, and I don't even know where it hides. Right now, for all I know, it could be in this studio. Actually, I'm looking around while I'm saying that because I don't want to get bitten by it. Bites me all the time. But anyway, if there was a cha-cha-cha Utah raptor, it would be the victor because its size is certainly giant. Cha-cha-cha raptor is actually a little velociraptor naughtiest thing i've ever seen all right uh hadriocus says titanus versus utah raptor hey man hey this is a good one hadriocus this is a this is a good fight now titanus is the giant killer bird the terror bird one of the largest if not the largest terror bird that ever existed it's a big animal and of course utah raptor you've all heard me say this before I believe Utah Raptor is still the most dangerous dinosaur that ever lived. I still believe that. So, Titanus probably is much faster than Utah Raptor. I don't say probably. I think it is. It absolutely is. Titanus would have been able to outrun Utah Raptor, no problem. Utah Raptor isn't made for speed. But if there's going to be a fight, first, Utah Raptor has got arms. That is a huge advantage with grasping arms because that allows you to keep the prey close. Now, with that, Titanus's legs are long and it would be able to kick and it could cause a lot of damage. Listen, this this one is a tough one because I think they're equally matched. One has speed and and the ability to kick its foot to keep you from coming in too close. And then Utah Raptor, of course, has the killing claw on the foot and the arms to grab and hold you. But Wow. This is a tough one. You have have me stumped on this one. I honestly could flip a coin and guess either one, and I would be right. This is a super evenly matched battle. I cannot choose a winner. What do you guys think? If you think one would win over the other, either send it to us through your Patreon page if you're a Patreon member, or go to the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page and post it there. I like it. All right, Roman says Carnotaurus versus Stigzimolic versus Pachyrhinosaurus. Very interesting. 
Stygy is going to go first. It's going to go quick because it doesn't have the ability to do much against these other two because they're so much bigger and more dangerous. So that would probably leave Pachyrhinosaurus and Carnotaurus. In my opinion, the Pachyrhinosaurus is going to be the victor. Yes, I love Carnotaurus. Yes, it's got sharp teeth, but it is outclassed in this particular battle because Pachyrhinosaurus has the power, the speed, and the sheer energy. When this thing comes running in, one hit from a Pachyrhinosaurus would crush the bones of Carnotaurus. And Carnotaurus isn't made for taking on this kind of prey. So, I think what would happen is Stygimaloc would crawl up on the back of the Pachyrhinosaurus and ride him like riding a bicycle. He would hang on to the frill and they would attack the Carnotaurus. But as soon as Pachyrhinosaurus hits the Carnotaurus, it crushes the Carno, but Stygimaloc goes flying through the air. Pachyrhinosaurus wins. <laughs> All right, what do we got here? Asheraptorsaurus Rex. A great name. Asheraptorsaurus Rex. Wants to know Styracosaurus versus Ankylosaurus. Ooh! Battle of herbivores. Battle of the herbivores. This is an interesting one. Well, Styracosaurus has that huge horn. And I will say this. It could lower its head. And its nose horn would be able to go under the armored back of Ankylosaurus. It could make a devastating injury because that is one weapon that could go. It does. It can't go through the top because it's too well armored. And even if, even if Ankylosaurus squatted low to the ground, because of the shape of the horn of, of Styracosaurus, it can put its head down and still ram and gore it with that big horn. I'm going to give this one to Styracosaurus simply because of that reason. Ankylosaurus is protected against heavy predators, but not against something that has a big spear sticking out of its nose. That's the only thing. Now, would these two animals ever fight? Probably not. But if they did, in the case of this, Asheraptorsaurus rex, I'm going to give this fight to Styracosaurus simply because the horn would be long enough to go under the skin through the skin, and into vital organs. This is very, very good. And then finally, my, my little niece, Hennessy, wants to know Cosmoceratops versus Diabloceratops. I love some of these plant eater fights. I love these. So, Cosmo and Diablo. Here's the difference, Hennessy. Cosmoceratops's horns don't point forward. They stick out to the side. Diabloceratops's horns over its eyes, called the brow horns, they point forward. That's a more effective weapon when fighting because you're looking right at your attacker, you're running right into your attacker, and those horns are pointing exactly where you're looking. But if your horns are sticking out to the side of your head, the way a cow's horns are, then you have to use a different method of attacking. You are swinging your head from side to side. That's not as effective because you have to turn your head to use your weapon. And that split moment of time could be the difference between surviving the attack and not surviving the attack. And that, to me, is the difference. So in this particular case, I would think that Cosmoceratops would win. I also believe, I, I think Cosmo is also a little bit bigger. I think Cosmoceratops is a little bit bigger than 
uh, than Diablo Ceratops. All right, my friends, that is it for this podcast. I hope you have all enjoyed it. If you would like to become a Patreon club member, you can go to my website, dinosaurgeorge.com, and you can sign up. If you would like to follow us on Facebook, please go to the Dinosaur George Kids page. There's two. There's the Dinosaur George page and Dinosaur George Kids. Dinosaur George Kids is where you go to post your cool pictures and your questions and your interactions. You'll find that the members there are so much fun. Most everybody is very polite and courteous, and I know they enjoy interacting through there. If you are going to become a Patreon Club member, do it quickly, and you can join us on the 8th of July for the next lesson on Guanlong. And then if you are a Raptor or a T-Rex member, your second lesson will be held on July 18th, which is a Monday. And if you live overseas, I am going to do a lesson on the 17th, early in the morning, my time. So for all of my overseas members, Sunday, the 17th, you'll be able to hear it. And you'll be able to listen to them all or watch them all because they're recorded. Be kind to your friends. Be kind to strangers. Make new friends. If you see somebody on a playground who doesn't have any friends, walk up, tell them your name, and ask them if they like dinosaurs. Maybe they do, and you can become friends with them. Maybe they don't, and it's okay. You don't have to be everybody's friend. Some people are okay being by themselves. But if you want to try to make a new friend, tell them you like dinosaurs. Last thing I want you to do is say thank you to your mom or your dad or whoever lets you listen to this podcast. Tell them you appreciate them. Tell them you love them. And remember, when they tell you to do things, it's not because they want to be bossy. It's because they are taking care of you and they are teaching you to be a good citizen. To everybody out there, take care. Can't wait to come out. Come out and see me at Trader's Village, July 16th and 17th for the grand opening of our new museum. Come on out, meet me. I look forward to seeing you all. Take care, my little friends, and we'll see you soon. to Dinosaur George Kids. Join the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, become a member of our Patreon club and check out our website store for cool fossils, rocks and crystals. Visit dinosaurgeorge.com for details. Until next time, keep digging for knowledge. Yeah.